what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, listeners. This episode contains some foul language. Discretion is advised. People are curious, and that's great. But there are some questions you just shouldn't ask, or at least not like that. I'm Harvinder Vadva. I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. And this is Inappropriate Questions. Let's get inappropriate. Harv, do you have a self-care routine? What the hell do you mean? (laughs) Are you talking about my shower habits? (laughs) Okay, that's not what I was going for. I mean stuff that you've started to do for your mental health or happiness. I know a lot of these things have been things people have been adopting, especially during the last year. Yes, yes, yes. Remember we discussed this. Uh, I like to jog, but uh, it is only when the temperature is between 20 and 22.5 degrees venture taken into account <laughs> okay what you told me is that you gave up jogging so this is no, good no, to no, hear no, no. you're just no, a very no, particular i just didn't find that temperature <laughs> i'm waiting for it what about you elena well i am absolutely awful at forming habits but during the pandemic i have been walking a lot i live next to a big park and every couple of days i go for a long walk with my brother and so i'm on the topic of these things because we're revisiting a question that we did last season. Have you tried blank? Oh, I remember that. It was uh, about chronic illness. Mm-hmm. When we were making that episode, we were thinking also about how that question gets asked to people dealing with mental health issues as well, like anxiety and depression. Okay. So we are transitioning from chronic illness to mental health issues. Yeah, exactly. From my experience, I have anxiety, I go to therapy and do stuff like that for it. But when you're having a hard time with your mental health, you can get a lot of these same suggestions that people with chronic illness get, like try mindfulness, try exercise. And I love a walk in the park. It does help with my mental health. But after my walk in the park, my underlying anxiety that's just so much a part of my life is still there. So I find this question pretty annoying. Yeah, on our uh, chronic illness episode, a lot of our guests found this question annoying too. Yeah. I'm interested to see if uh, it's the same for our guests who are coming from mental illness perspective. Yeah, me too. We shall see. Kelsey Dara is an actor, comedian, producer, and mental health advocate. If you're from my generation, you might know her from BuzzFeed videos. She's also the author of, um, okay, how should I say this? (laughs) Don't F star king panic. (laughs) Don't fucking panic. The shit they don't tell you in therapy about anxiety disorder, panic attacks, and depression. Just for the name of the book, I'm going to read it. (laughs) You should. So, Kelsey, we are talking about 
people giving unsolicited suggestions <laughs> and asking the question like, have you tried this? Mm. Do you have a story of someone suggesting things like that? Oh, my God. I'm trying to think of the most outrageous one, right? Like you, you hear it all when I've been in the mental health system for like more than 13 years now. So yeah. I feel like I've gone to every kind of therapist, every kind of psychiatrist, every kind of doctor, a healer, yoga, Pilates instructor, juice cleanser. <laughs> and I feel like I've gotten every, everything from like, you need to just smoke weed. And I'm like, if mm -hmm. I smoke weed, I will rip a hole in my brain and then I'll really be like, I'll never come back. Like weed actually gives me anxiety. I'm out. Yeah. And for some people it helps and it's their mm -hmm. medicine and mm -hmm. I support that. So yeah. for like the most outrageous though, I feel like, like a walk it off is something I've heard before. <laughs> okay. Sure. Right now, walk it off. Shake it off. Walk it off, kid. Go, go, go take a lap. I'm like, oh, that'll do. Yeah. That must be the, the cure. The, I just haven't done a right. lap in a while. <laughs> I think this is a big uh, one for me in the pandemic because I saw an article that really related to my pandemic experience. It was from Reductress, like a satirical article. The right. headline was, I am a simple afternoon walk and you're putting too much pressure on me to like, hear everything. <laughs> Honestly, sometimes I'm like... I'm going to get sunburnt on this afternoon walk and that's going to cause a whole host of problems I didn't have before. This seems more stressful than than relaxing. <laughs> totally fair. Stepping back a bit, mm. can you tell us a bit about your history with mental health? Yeah, it's such a funny question because I feel like for so long I had always in my mind known my my mental health journey to be starting in such a specific place in my life. And it was when I had my first panic or what I thought was my first panic attack on an airplane. Mm. And then, of course, you do some therapy. And really, it was in my book uh, writing journey that mm -hmm. I realized my anxiety and mental health uh, experience started way younger than I had ever thought. I right. mean, we remember times of like, I would be like six years old after soccer practice. And I thought I was having like an asthma attack or I wouldn't be able to swallow all of a sudden. My parents rushed me to the ER and mm. they, they were going to do all these tests on me. But first they had to dose me with some baby Valium because I wouldn't stop freaking out. And they're like, we're just going to give her a shot of like Valium. Oh, and as soon as I got that Valium, I was totally fine. And they couldn't find anything. And they just sent me home. And they were just like, well, we don't know what that was. That was weird. Crazy. Anyway, moving on with life. And oh I was gosh. like, no one like stopped to be like, what was that? Or maybe we should like take her to a therapist. So <laughs> I realized through writing that, you know, my panic actually started very young. And my anxiety disorder was always kind of bubbling beneath the surface. But it didn't mm. really creep out to be disruptive until my teenage years. And then it got chalked up to being hormones and I'm just dramatic and attention seeking oh, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, I realized that I've been dealing with this my whole life. Mm. So that's kind of like my props. <laughs> 99 problems and I've had all of them, you know. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit more as to uh, did it get worse over time or uh, you have had it, uh, whatever the frequency was, it just continued. And you have, uh, mainly you are talking about the panic attacks, but what about depression? Mm. I've definitely seen it as waves. And like, I feel like this is important for people to understand is that at times it can feel like a mountain, right? And that mm. it's just getting worse and worse and worse. But good will 
always come. Mm -hmm. Bad cannot exist forever. I mean, it can feel like it. I can think of a time in my 20s that felt like it was years that I was depressed and 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 trying to balance and and seeking management, taking pills and different medications and right, yeah. but with the depression, for me, I think it really started at that young age that it does kind of pop up in women is is like early teen age years and I would be able to sleep for 13 hours. You know, I'd come from home from school and sleep all the way through the night and into the next morning. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, she's a growing gal. Right. Or, you know, <laughs> she's just tired. She's in all these activities. But, you know, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. I'm kind of curious about like y'all's experiences with mental health. If I'm trying yeah. not to like interview you guys and be a <laughs> podcast host here, but like, do you feel like you ever lived with something that you thought was totally normal until someone told you like that's not normal like <laughs> that your life shouldn't feel that way or you shouldn't feel that pain or you shouldn't feel that thing oh my gosh I am totally right now in the process of trying to figure out if I have ADHD and I mm, definitely have some no. sort of anxiety but it is very funny talking to people who don't have these things or I wrote a journal entry right before the pandemic about how I had nothing together and I was just struggling and I kept procrastinating on tiny tasks mm. and what is wrong with me oh. and during the pandemic, I started kind of being like, oh, and maybe my brain's doing this other thing. Maybe that's why like some people can really relate to my experience and other people are like, what are you talking about? You just need to focus. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> what about your experience, Harv? I'm just a troll, so. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, trolls need mental health care too, eh? Like, yeah, everybody. Uh, well, the funny thing is, is like a, a, a thing that I like to say is, Every single person on this earth has mental health mm -hmm. and every single person on this earth experiences anxiety. It's just about the the ebb and flow and the flux of how you experience it. And mm -hmm. even trolls need mental health. Definitely. Yeah. No, I was I was being a little facetious because my <laughs> daughter keeps telling me I'm not normal. Aww. <laughs> But uh, but I 100% agree. Yes, uh, it is just the frequency because I have seen myself like days where I am just so down for no good reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. then I come out of it and uh, it's thanks to the family and uh, the friend support. Mm. I do come out of it, but, yeah. uh, but, but luckily it doesn't happen too often. Uh, but uh, but definitely you're, you, I 100% mm. agree with you. Well, you said something interesting is is I felt that same feeling of like it comes out of nowhere or like it comes out of nowhere for no good reason. Mm. But the chances are like there usually is a reason, whether it be something mm -hmm. that happened to you one moment before or 20 years ago, <laughs> you know, like there, there are things that if you're willing to be a little vulnerable and brave and, and um, interested and curious with yourself to, to look inward that we can sometimes find that thing that is causing it because there's no more frustrating thing than feeling like you don't have control over your own mental health. It's scary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Kelsey, uh, well, uh, again, uh, you don't have to answer any of the questions you don't want to, but I probably will. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, so uh, are you taking any medication? Yeah, I, I do. So it's hard to give specific names to medication. One, because it's not everyone can have them in the same country. Right. And two, I don't ever want someone to think that just because I'm on something that they should try that because it's so different for each person, right? Mm. These are all broad terms. These are all uh, sort of standard medications that people will try when diagnosed. What I can say is that I have found 
additions to my medication mm-hmm. that are more naturopathic and actually Ayurvedic. And, right, okay. And that I know sometimes I'm going to be on medication and sometimes I'm off. I've been mm-hmm. on, off, I've switched, I've gone up, I've gone down, I've tapered, I've had bad reactions, I've, you know, added things to it, taken it away. So it's it's a process mm-hmm. to find medication that works for you if you're someone that wants to be with medication. Right. So along with medication, mm. what other things you do to help you cope? Mm-hmm. Um, habits have been like a huge piece of of my uh, sanity, not to put it lightly. Mm. It was so important for me to establish habits and routines and realize that it's not healthy to strive for goals, but it's healthier for me to strive for health like habits in my life. So I really like to implement um, stretching every day. Mm-hmm. I go to therapy every week. I love to journal. Yeah. Finding a practice that involves healthy healing. So for me, it wasn't about like digging into my childhood trauma <laughs> and like vomiting all that back up and talking about it. It's like everyone has that. For me, I enjoy like mantra work, which which is like here and now and empowers me and doesn't make me feel bad. You know, I, I, of course, you know, there's a time and a place to do the work, but I love mantras, hanging out in the group chat at checking in with my girlfriends. Like all of these little uh, habits have become part of my routine and routine gives you so much freedom. And I think that that's really important for people that live with mental health stuff. It makes things a little bit easier. We'll be right back after this quick break. What if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. And this episode, we've been revisiting the question, have you tried blank? With actor and mental health advocate, Kelsey Dara. How do you approach giving mental health advice in a, in a way that you think will be really actually helpful for people? Because I think behind this question we're talking about this episode, sometimes it can be hard to take advice <laughs> and <laughs> advice like unsolicited advice. It's, it's not unsolicited if you're reading someone's book for sure. Uh-huh. How do you when you're sitting down to write this book? Yeah. How do you approach doing that in a way that you think other people will find like helpful and respectful? Yeah, I even in the book, I mentioned this that I purposefully like really wanted to nail home that I was not a doctor. Yeah, totally. not only because I don't want to get sued. That's what people think. And I'm like, no, no, no. I said that because I I'm one of you, mm. right? Like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to sell you something. Like, yeah. it was really important to me to create, like, this 
workbook that's a toolkit. Mm -hmm. This is me being like, look, this thing exists. And look, look, this thing didn't work for me, but I still want you to know it exists. And so here's the table. Here's the spread I brought. Eat whatever you want. And guess what? If you're not hungry, like walk away. Or if you don't want it, like toss it, spit it out. Like just try it, share it with a friend. Mm -hmm. Like it was important for me to just include a multitude of things for, for people to try to relate to. Right. And being a patient rather than the doctor, I feel like gives me a a little bit more level and ground with people. Yeah. In that same vein, you know, when you were going through deciding different things to try, do you find that taking advice Mm -hmm. feels better when it's like maybe someone who's gone through something similar and it's someone who's been there and you're like, okay, I, I trust you. And even if my mental health is very different and this doesn't work for me. Totally. I think the most annoying thing that like I try to stay away from, and I'm guilty of accidentally doing it is telling someone like, oh man, like you have to try this thing or like Mm -hmm. it really changed my life. And like, oh, I can't recommend it enough. And everybody's mental health is different. What mine looks like is not what yours looks like. Mm. It's important to like watch how even I, as a mental health advocate, kind of talk about this stuff because it can get Mm. really dark. Like we're talking about like, you know, unaliving yourself or like, you know, suicidal ideology, you know, like big stuff that can be really triggering for people. And so it's important to educate yourself enough to know kind of like the basics of how to be there for someone and and not make anything, you know, worse Mm. than, than it already is for people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What are some of those basics of how to be there for someone, would you say? Ah, oh, I love this question because I wish I had known this, you know, when I was in my thickest uh, bouts of depression and anxiety. I think the base level is like a, hey, I'm here for you or like, hey, I'm checking in on my strong friend or hey, I'm just, you know, wondering how you are, like checking in and can I be there? Is there anything you need? How can I help And sometimes we don't know what we need. And sometimes we just need someone to ask. Sometimes we need a hug. Sometimes we need you to stay the fuck away from me. It's it's about getting to know the person. And obviously, if you care because you're asking, you'll figure that out. Yeah. Well, that's great. So going back to a question, Mm. have you tried this? Is it an inappropriate question for someone who's having mental health issues? No. No, because people need help. Like, we're not meant to do this thing alone. Yeah. Like, you're, you're born alone, you die alone, and the moments we have in between are to share. And, like, as long as you're not a dick about it and you're not intrusive and you do it in a way that's, like, mm. it might be unsolicited, but someone might need to be offered something without asking. Like, right. you, if you love that person, you know that person, I think it's okay to not necessarily cross a boundary, but, like, just throw a suggestion out there, see how they respond. So with that being said, there's a big old caveat of like, know when to shut up to. Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. could be a subtitle of our show. (laughs) Know when to shut up. up. (laughs) That's one of Harv's fans for sure. But I, I can say personally, I've never felt so uncomfortable that it messed me up when I've been given advice about mental health, you know, like sometimes I'll be like, oh, Jesus, oh, if I only did more yoga, if I only did more breath work, like, okay, thank you. But like, I've never been like, that messed me up, you know, right. it, it's, 
It's a, it just becomes an annoyance. It's kind of like, shut up. Okay, move on with my life. Right. right. Thank you. I Looking at the book, there was a moment when you were talking about, gosh, like if some other person tells me uh, that I just need to do more yoga, if I had a dollar for every yep. time someone said that, I would be on a yacht I'd with be- Cardi B. <laughs> but then you also went on to be like, well, yoga's actually been helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think... Because we're talking about mental health, I think it's different. Mm. It's something that's mm-hmm. still so tabooed. And I think anyone that's talking about it is a doing a miracle. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I want to add here, it also the cultural thing, because now mm. I would say uh, the Western societies, uh, they have evolved to the extent that they have understood that there is something called mental health issues. Yes. And uh, in uh, Eastern society, or I'm from India, so I'll, I'll be very clear when I'm saying Eastern societies, uh, 99 plus percent people don't even recognize it. And right. either you are, in, and sorry if I'm sounding rude, either you are mad or you're normal. So there is nothing in between mm, the two. Mm-hmm. And and the word they use is mad. And like, I uh, bet it sounds like an old like 50s film. Like he's gone mad. <laughs> Get up. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that's still yeah. there. That's absolutely still there. Mm. I mean, people will make fun of you. People mm. will make fun of you if uh, you even try to approach these subjects mm. in a more sensitive way. I definitely feel like millennials are the generation that are have kind of like broke the surface, right? Because like... I know people that are a bit older than me or even my parents. No way. No way could they talk about this stuff. My dad Mm -hmm. could never like we have so much work to do because then there's also this like generational um, healing that we also need to allow for people that didn't get to do that. Like and there's people that still don't have it. Totally. Now, if we're talking about like sex and you're giving me advice, I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. You're you can be quiet. But with mental health, I'm like, yes, keep going. Let's hear more. Keep talking. Like, let's go. Keep the conversation alive. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you clarified because I was now thinking of pulling our previous episode from the catalog because that was. Considered- <laughs> ah, yeah. Wait, wait, the ones about sex, you mean? No, I'm talking about, uh, uh, have you tried this? Yeah, because we actually did talk about this question when it comes to uh, chronic illness, actually. Ooh, oh, yeah. Okay, as a spoonie, I got to say, that is a different ballpark for sure. Yeah, so you feel like it's different for mental health and physical health? I do, even though they, they should be treated as the same. I think physical health is exploited, right? Mm. Like we have every diet, every exercise, every club, every membership for that. We don't have that for mental health. If we had that for mental health, oh my God, I'd be like Uh, a totally different conversation. I think it's just taking off, like seeing all the popularity with meditation apps or like, you know, therapy, online therapy codes and advertisements. I'm like, yes, I don't think I'm ever going to get sick of talking about mental health until someone's talking about selling me snake oil to cure (laughs) love that for you yeah yeah exactly Alina, I just love the interview with Kelsey. It was Me too. Uh, it was a lot of fun and uh, two takeaways from my perspective were one it's not an inappropriate question. So we finally nailed a question which is not inappropriate. <laughs> the second thing is which I was expecting some kind of a solution. Yeah. Well, there is no solution. So different people will find different solutions and they will have to find it themselves. Yeah, for sure. 
on a personal level, I still think this question can be really annoying, which, to be fair, Kelsey acknowledged. But I did just love her openness about this question (laughs) and even its potential just to encourage more conversations about mental health, which, you know, we've definitely made strides, like you said, but I guess we still have farther to go than I realized. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So after having this conversation, are you going to add to your self-care routine? Yes, of course. I mean, I have uh, spoken about that, that uh, I am a jogger at heart and uh, I am just waiting for the perfect 22 degrees temperature uh, for our American listeners, (laughs) 71.6 degrees Fahrenheit temperature. The moment I get it, (laughs) kindly message me and I will go for a jog. Okay, so I got to be involved now, too? Like, I got to drop it in the group chat that you got to go for a jog? Just in case I miss that perfect time. Okay, we're so busy, (laughs) This is Harvinder Vadva. And this is Elena Hudgens-Lyle. Thanks for getting inappropriate with us. Thanks so much to our guest, Kelsey Dara. Every episode has an accompanying webcomic, and this week it was illustrated by Ren Shavers. You can find it on Instagram at IQ underscore podcast. Also, make sure to visit cbc.ca forward slash IQ podcast for a full transcript of this episode. The plucky producers behind this podcast are Sabrina Birch, Cindy Long, and myself. The show is mixed by Andrew Norton. Our chase producer is Sarah Melton, and our digital producer is Judy Ziegu. Our senior producer is Jeff Turner, and our executive producer is Arif Nurani. An inappropriate question is like taking a long walk to de-stress, but then getting a sunburn. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.